Mentor of the Month recording. This is Stuart Anderson. This month, we listen in on one of our only presenters to have been on the Crown Council annual event stage more than once. Andy Andrews has been hailed by the New York Times as a modern-day Will Rogers, who has quietly become one of the most influential people in America. Andy Andrews is an internationally known speaker and novelist whose combined works have sold 3.5 million copies worldwide. He's been received at the White House and has spoken at the request of four different presidents of the United States. Andy joined the Crown Council annual event on two separate occasions, once in 2010 and again in 2016 at the 22nd annual event. This Mentor of the Month recording is the audio recording of Andy on stage presenting to the Crown Council membership at the 22nd annual event in Salt Lake City. He spends his time on stage sharing what he believes will help dental practices find a way to compete on a level that their competition doesn't even know exists. Enjoy this month's Mentor of the Month with Mr. Andy Andrews. understand how you can compete at a level that the competition doesn't even know there's a game going on. There are things that people do not understand about competition and about the marketplace and about increasing what they do. Number one thing they don't understand is everybody competes the same way in everything. I mean, in football, in insurance, in real estate, in dentistry, everybody competes the same way. Now, everybody thinks that the public sees their expertise and that the public sees their value. But unfortunately, the public only sees a broad view of us. To the public, a Mexican restaurant is a Mexican restaurant. They all got tacos. They're all within 25 cents of each other. Where do you want to go? If you ask an insurance guy, why should I go with you? He will tell you about the product that they represent, and he'll tell you the, the service, and he'll tell you the price, and he'll tell you the history of the company and what they do to service. The, and then if you go to another insurance guy and say, why should I go with you? If you listen closely, you'll realize he's telling you exactly the same thing. It may be different terms, maybe slightly different price. It's a different voice, different guy, but it's the same thing. Every football coach in America, every football coach at some point during the season says a version of this to their team, from the Minimites to the NFL. Today, I want everything you got. I want 100% of you. I don't want just 100% of you for the whole three hours we're in the stadium. I hadn't even got to have 100% of you mentally and emotionally and physically. Or hard. I ain't got to have 100% for the 60 minutes on the clock. But for 10, 11, 12 minutes total, four, five, six seconds at a time, from the time that ball is snapped to the whistle is blown, if you can give me everything you got from the snap to the whistle, we've got a good opportunity to win this game. Now, that sounds good because it's true. It's true. But the problem with it is that the coach on the other side of the field just told his team the same thing. And so even if you really are better than them, the best you can usually hope to do is to beat them every time by a little bit. But if you could legitimately figure out, yeah, you got to be good at the fundamentals. you got to be good at blocking and tackling and running. you got to be good at the fundamentals. But if you can legitimately figure out how to compete from the whistle till the next snap of the ball while everybody else is just standing around, you'll run them off the field. And we're doing it in football. We're doing it with the military. We're doing it in business. You can do it. I can't explain this very easily. We, we ain't got a ton of time. But you got to understand, number one, 
that your secret weapon is you. It's your culture. Crown Council has done, you, you guys have done something astounding here because you're separating yourself from the pack in a way that most people don't understand is happening. And, and so, so your, your, your ability to be better is very critical. I see your list of speakers and, and all like this. And I appreciate you guys having me back. And I, and, and I promise, I promise you that, that if you have me back to the next 25 years, I wouldn't say the same thing again. Because I'm learning, man. I'm learning. I'm trying to figure stuff out. By the way, if you have your cell phones, I know that somebody's probably told you to keep them put away or turned off or whatever, and do that for the other speakers. But if you want to have your cell phone out, I'm going to tell you something I want you to jot down in a few minutes, so just have your cell phone handy and have it ready. Now, I'm going to lay to waste some things that we have all believed for a while. I'm going to tell you some things that, when you think about it for a minute, they'll be obvious, but I'm going to lay to waste some things that have held us back, and we didn't even know we were shackled, all right? One of the things that is amazing, and, and I, I listened to Steve and Greg, and I know that they have a handle on this, is, is the person, the person, the personal life that, you know, with uh, 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 the, the Kansas City Royals this year winning the World Series, okay? Well, your general manager, Dayton Moore, called me after the game and said, it worked, thanks. And I said, dude, I knew I knew it, it would work before it even started working. We had had several conversations a couple of years before where he had told me, and he had come from the Atlanta Braves organization where I'd worked with John Sherholtz for a number of years there. And Sherholtz told him, because Dayton Moore uh, called John Sherholtz and said, I'm going to get fired. You know, they already told him it was career suicide going to Kansas City because they said, you know, it, it, baseball doesn't have a salary cap. In a small market like that, they can't compete because the, the Yankees and the Red Sox will spend $250, $300 million a year on the payroll. And if you can't even spend $100 million, you just can't get the horses. You can't get the players. But see, baseball is a lot like golf. And when I work with the Ryder Cup captains and work with the, the Solheim Cup captains, one thing I know is that with 150 players on the PGA Tour, there ain't a dime's worth of difference in any of them physically. They can all make every single shot there is to make, and they can turn around and do it left-handed or, or, or opposite-handed. You know, you know, Tiger Woods bouncing the ball on the club head and then hitting it out of the air? They can all do that. They all do that. They, they, they all, they'll do it on the practice range. I mean, they were aggravated that Tiger got on TV doing it because everybody thinks that only Tiger can do it. They can all do that. Not a dime's worth of difference in them physically, but mentally, that's the deal. And as we see with Tiger after that Thanksgiving day, it's not an injury, it's your mind, okay? And so when Dayton Moore called John Sherholtz and he said, you know, I'm going to get fired here, John said, call Andy Andrews. And Dayton said, who is this? He said, remember the book I gave you? Remember the Traveler's Gift? Remember the notice? He said, oh, okay. And he said, so he's a baseball guy? And John said, well, I think he played Little League. <laughs> and he said, man, I, you know, I, I got to have a baseball guy. We have a turnaround. And, and John said, I'm telling you, just call him. It will not be advice that you get anywhere else. And I would not know how to tell you what he might see. And so I have this conversation with him. And and it's clear as a bell to me because he said, these kids are going to get me fired. And I said, what do you mean they're going to get you fired? He said, we have incredible players. They're unbelievable athletes. He said, we've been horrible for years. We have nothing but first-round draft choices. He said, these guys can do anything on the baseball field. I said, and then, or he said, and then one day my shortstop can't catch. Most people would give up everything they have just to have peace between their, their spouses and their kids and just to have peace. And you can have a peaceful family, but you got to understand the truth. And these four things, these four free videos, this is going to get you on the road this. I do a podcast too uh, that's every Saturday. It's free. Uh, and it, it, if you just have your email 
in there somewhere, it'll come into your inbox. And it's absolutely free. And it's about thinking. It's about business and increase and relationships. But this parenting thing, let me just tell you, I'm going to show you how different this can be and how this can come out. It is so funny to me that I talk to so many people with the issues of their kids, and I'll say, well, what's your MO? What is your, what's your thing with parenting? And they'll, they'll say, well, what do you mean? I say, well, what, do you, what is your goal? What are you after? What is your outcome? They say, well, we just want to raise great kids, man. That's our, our major thing. We want to raise great kids. This is something that we decided when we were going to have kids, they were going to be our priority. And our priority is to raise great kids. We think about it in the morning. We think about it in the evening. We want to raise great kids. And, and I, I, I just want to cry. Because I want to say, well, there, there's your problem right there. Because, see, you don't really want to raise great kids. What you want to do is raise kids who become great adults. It's a totally different outcome. That's a totally different destination. Now, if your destination you're after is raising kids who become great adults, you'll have great kids on the way. But if you're going to just raise great kids, don't we know people who had great kids? They had great kids. And then somewhere around 18 or 19 when they left home, something happened. But they were great kids. It's a totally different thing. You know, Jim McElwain at University of Florida, I told him, I said, you parent these players and you will have the press on your side, you'll have the mamas and daddies on the side, you'll have the players on the side, on your side. I said, nobody will give you any grief at all about suspending anybody, about not suspending anybody. They'll not give you any grief at all if you parent them. And so every coach and every coach's wife in the University of Florida uh, and several other teams use these parenting things. I do. They have the whole programs, and they use these things. And, and I had somebody send me a clip of Jim recently where he said, because he had suspended two players from the team. And, and so he said, or when they said, did you suspend them? He said, well, I didn't suspend them. He said, they chose not to play in the bowl game. They said, excuse us? He said, well, we're a family, and we have things that we do. And I tell them we hadn't got 24 hours a day with each one of you, and so you're going to have to let me know what you want to do. And as a family, we know what our rules are. We know where we are. And so if you do not want to play, the way you tell me is you don't follow that. And then I'll understand you perfectly, and I'll take you at your word, and I'll say, okay. You don't want to play. And, and so they told me they didn't want to play by not doing what the other players do, by not conforming to the standards. See, it's the same thing we can do. I had a lady tell me recently, this is one of the last thing I'll tell you. I had a lady tell me recently, she said, you know, I've got two boys just like you have two boys. And she said, you know, they won't listen. They won't listen. She said, I'll tell them, and I'll tell them, and I'll tell them. And I literally, I have to come unglued before they will pay attention to what I'm saying. And it just, it stresses me out. My husband is stressed out. And it, but it, it is all because they won't listen. And I said, okay, you want me to tell you the truth, right? The truth. She said, I do. I said, all right, here is the truth. You do not have to have a come apart. You do not have to lose it for them to listen to. You are choosing to because you have trained them to understand that they do not have to pay attention until you do, that you don't mean it until you do. I said, there are things that you can set up to allow them to choose how they want to live. I said, having a come apart, I said, you're disciplining your, your child in a way that will allow society to discipline this person as an adult. And if this person has to be told and told and told as an adult, and society disciplines them, it's not pretty. It's you're fired, or here's a restraining order, or here's a court summons, or whatever. I said, but what you want to do is allow them to make the choice. She said, what do you mean? I said, okay, perfect example. Austin Adam, 
The other night, they said, it's just during Christmas holidays, and they said, Dad, can we sleep late tomorrow? Absolutely. You ain't got to sleep late if you want to. It doesn't matter to me. They said, oh, great. We're going to stay up late then. So I get up the next morning. I'm going in to write, and it's 6 a.m., and I pass the playroom. And right there in front of the television in the playroom is like cookie packages and Cokes and and potato chip things, and there's something on the floor, and there's a jar of pickles opened up, and and my wife came in and she said, "I can't believe that." And I said, "Whoa, whoa!" I said, "This is fixing to be great." <laughs> she said, "What?" I said, "Polly, these are moments that I live for as a dad." <laughs> she said, "What do you mean?" I said. Watch. And so I go in and say, guys, come on, let's get up. Let's go, let's go. Get up, get up. Dad, what? What? Dad, come on. Hey, out of bed. Feet on the floor. Feet on the floor. Dad, Daddy, you, you, you said we could sleep. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I did. I, I thought you wanted to sleep. Wait, Dad, we, we did. We, you said, oh, I know I said you could sleep, and I thought you wanted to, but you left me a note in the playroom that said, Dad, we decided that we would rather get up and clean this up in the morning. That you left me this, this message that said, we decided not to take the time to clean it up tonight. We want to clean up in the morning. So, I, you know, whatever. Come on, guys. Come on. You know, and, they're, oh, you know, and, and so, so they said, can we go back to bed? Oh, no. That, didn't you see in the message you said there were some other things you wanted to do? And so we get to do some other thing. Well, by God, they ain't left it like that since. <laughs> we can come up with fun, creative ways to have peace in our world. And unbelievably, telling stories like that from your life to other people's lives will endear you to them. Build your business. Build your influence in your community. And you will become more and more what Crown Council is all about. Thank you guys very much. And and what the results are, and if somebody's right, it don't matter how many commercials she sees, it doesn't matter how many Facebook posts, how many billboards she drives by, that traditional advertising is totally ineffective compared to that great word of mouth. Now, let me tell you the other side of it. Bad word of mouth, there is no amount of social media, billboards, or television commercials that can overcome bad word of mouth. I mean, one, for God's sake, don't go there. Billboard, that billboard ain't gonna help. They're done, because that was their friend that said that. Now, watch this, I wanna, I wanna show you something. That a remarkable experience does not necessarily have to be totally involved with what you do for a living. Remember that the, the tipping point for most people is not even what the competitors consider what you do for a living. I mean, on the football field, we compete with the one thing that can be manipulated between the whistle and the next snap, and that is the officials. And we can manipulate officials two years before they ever even officiate a game by how we act, by who we are, by how we dress, by who we are to their teenagers. And you and I both know they can call holding in any play they want to call it in. And if that official goes on that field and this is a 55-year-old white guy officiating that game, and he is a pharmacist in his normal life, and he's officiating that game, and he has a teenage boy at home, and, and he's got one team out there that they get caught doing drugs, and they get a one-half suspension, and they're right back on the field, and then they're all dressed sloppily. They got their hats weird. They got their, you know, uh, wearing jerseys that are shredded with no, and their faces looking like that. And then you got the other team, and on the rare instance that anybody gets in trouble, they are gone. 
because they have been told from the beginning, these are our rules and this is how we play, not just the game, but this is how we play the game of life. And so this official goes on the field and he knows this other team, this is how they are and they don't get in trouble and they dress properly and they say yes sir and yes ma'am or whatever and he likes them and he doesn't like them. You, you can't even tell me that doesn't make a difference. We, can, we, we prove it, okay? Well, what, what I want you to understand is there are people that walk in your practices. It has been years since they have walked in anywhere, including their own homes, and had anybody outwardly enthusiastic that they were there. Remember Norm from Cheers? Remember Norm? This is this is this poor guy. He hated his life. He had a wife named Vera. We never saw Vera, but but he never had a good thing to say about Vera. He never had a good thing to say about any job he ever had. This was a guy who said, "It's the dog eat dog world, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear." That was Norm. Okay, but every night he was at the end of that bar. Why? Because that bar had any different kind of beer than any other bar in Boston? Because that bar had great-looking waitresses? No, look at Carla. No, he, he was at the end of that bar because that was the one place in that poor guy's life that every time he walked in, everybody in there went, Norm, it's our Norm. We took a chain of 29 Mexican restaurants, a chain owned by one guy, not a franchise operation, chain, one guy doubled their gross in several months. And the only thing we did was have everybody in there remember names. In fact, we started with 100 names. It was a place where you would stand in line to order. The kitchen was open air. And and so this this open air kitchen, the cooks, you could see them all. And then they'd go sit down. The wait staff would bring the stuff to them. Okay? And so... What we said was, okay, manager, you get 10 names. Cooks, you guys get four names each. And hostess, you get five names. Wait staff, you get five names. And, and what it was was basically just to remember the first name of somebody that you see here occasionally. You, you see them. Hey, you've been here before. Now, tell me your name. What do you say? Okay, I'm Mike. And, you're, and, so, and then you're going to walk away. And you're going to go, okay, all right, his name's John, his name's John, he's John, okay, it's John, it's John, the guy with the bad haircut is John, John, John. And you're going to remember John. And so what we found is immediately it, it started just picking up like crazy because John was bringing hordes of people in. And we, at first we didn't know what's going on. But then we realized, okay, so John's standing in line. And let's say John is a guy that a waiter has remembered. He's a waiter's name. And the waiter's over there delivering food, but everybody's watching. Everybody's keeping an eye out for their people. And so the waiter's over here, and he sees him. He goes, John, hey, good to see you. Well, the hostess hears that, and she's near him. She goes, hey, John, glad you're here today. And the manager walks by, and he heard that, and he said, John, hey, man, good to see you. And he hollers to the cooks. He says, guys, look who it is. It's John. And, and the cooks lean out and go, Johnny, Johnny. And John's standing there going, Well, all of a sudden, this becomes John's restaurant. He don't go anywhere else. I mean, his poor family. I really, Dad, Mexican again. You know, because you can just hear this guy to his children. I don't know if he says it out loud, but you can hear him saying to the teenagers, you know, we used to, I, we used to have such a great relationship and you used to sit in my lap and now sometimes I feel like you're embarrassed by your daddy and I want to take you out to eat tonight and let's see how the rest of the world feels about your dad. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, right? And so, so, so what I'm saying is you can come up with many other things, but what I'm saying is something as simple as, Alan, hey, hey, man, how are you doing? You remember something about Alan? Hey, listen, I just, before we go into anything, I wanted to, I knew, uh, your mother was sick. Everything okay there? Yeah? Because I, and I know your kids with their grandma being sick. That was tough. So I just thought about that several times. Listen, if you know somebody, if you can, every potential client, every client in town, you can own them all. You can have them all because you know 
Everybody is going to go to a dentist at some time. A lot of people have zero loyalty anywhere, anyway, okay? Find out things about people. Find out things about you. You would be shocked at what provides value. Now, to provide value, you must know what is valuable to them. One of the most valuable things to me is my two boys, Austin and Adam. You know, because of what I do, people invite me on, on great trips. They'll say, hey, we know you like to fish, and we're gonna, we're, we're, we'd love to take you to the Baja to sail fish, and we'd like to take you. Well, the answer is always no. I mean, I do it nicely, but I've got a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I'm going to say, hey, daddy's going to be gone for five days. Really? What are you doing, dad? Well, I'm going fishing. We can't go? No, just dad's invite. I mean, my value, that's my boys. Okay, if somebody was smart, they'd come and say, hey, I got a bass pond in Oklahoma loaded with 10-pound bass. In fact, there's four in there that I know of because my son was home from college last weekend. He caught four, over 10 pounds, and he released them. They're still in there. And I would like to, I know you have boys that like to fish. I'd love to bring your boys and have, now you can come if you want to, but I want to put your boys on big bass. Oh, buddy, I'm in it. I'm there. I'm there. You have hit something that's hugely valuable for me. You find out what it is about a family. Find out what it is that their passion is. Find out what it is that a child likes. Find out something that a child is struggling with. Find out something about that family and Keep your eyes open. You would be shocked. You find out some, you know, four-year-old, and, I'm, and I'll, t- I'll tell you something else. week. And then one day, my home run hitter can't hit for two weeks. He said, of the games we have lost this year, he said, we're in last place, and the games we've lost this year have been an average of less than one run. He said, they're going to get me fired. And I said, okay. I actually know what to do. And he said, okay. I said, you have to compete in a way that your competition doesn't know there's a game going on. He said, what does that mean? I said, you cannot compete with them money-wise. You must compete with them with your culture. And he's just totally silent. He says, so like what? I said, look, most of these guys are young Marrieds, right? Or they're young and have a relationship, or they're young marrieds with the, their first child. He said, right. I said, get a hold of their personal lives. Get a hold of their relationships. Help them figure this stuff out, the kinks with their marriages. You know how that is, Dayton. You know how that is to, to start like a marriage. And he said, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. How could that possibly? I said, look, dude. I said, if you come into work and you have had an argument with your spouse. Do you do your best work that day? I said, if you come into work and something's up with one of your children, can you do your best work? He said, well, no. I said, well, neither can they. I said, and their work is focusing on a particular muscle memory. I said, the shortstop, I said, did you play in the major leagues? He said, no. I said, neither did I. You know why we didn't play? Because we're not good enough. I said, can you imagine you watch a hot grounder to the shortstop and you see that guy run deep in the hole, catch that jump in the air, wheel and throw that ball on a line to first base and get that guy out. How, how, do, you even, how do you even do that? I said, but I'm going to tell you something. If the ball hits right here in his glove, he can wheel and throw and the guy's out. But if the ball hits Right here on his glove, it skips into left center, and the guy rounds first, and he ends up in scoring position on second base. And that only has to happen a few times. I said, your home run hitter, if he hits the ball here, it goes over the fence, and he clears the bases. If he hits the ball here, it's just a long fly ball to the warning track, and it's an out. A level of concentration is required, and a clear mind makes a level of concentration work more. I said, it's their families, it's their families, their relationships. He said, I'm still not seeing, I said, all right, let me ask you this last question. Who do you guys, and I knew this, we're talking to Sherholtz, who do you guys, all you baseball people, who do you say who was the greatest all-around baseball player of all time? He said, Ty Cobb. I said, right, Ty Cobb. I said, why 
was he the greatest of all time? He said, because he never had a slump. Right. I said, do you know why he never had a slump? I said, you could look at baseball reasons, and you could look at his background, and you could look at how he stands, and you could look at how he swings a bat. I said, but you will never find how he never had a slump in anything baseball-related. You have to look at his personal life to understand why he never had a slump. The guy was a sociopath. <laughs> he didn't care about any, anybody. He didn't care about any of his six or seven wives. He didn't care about any of his kids. Everybody hated him. He hated everybody. The only thing he loved was baseball. I said, Dayton, if you can get a team of sociopaths, you'll win the World Series every year. <laughs> I said, because these guys will be able to concentrate on nothing but baseball. Otherwise, you're going to have to branch out. See, it's little connections that we make in our, in our relationships. And, and so this is why there's, there, there are a few things. You know, responsibility, there's responsibility, there's taking action, you know, there is uh, serving others, there is forgiveness, there is, um, there, there is persistence, right? There, there are these things, they're, they're all outlined, we outline them all, I've, I've got, I could do days on these seven things that these, you know, you, you, you heard you say about the 200 books I read, these seven things that all these people had or were, and when we understand them and can apply them, all of a sudden, things in our life become so much better. They actually work. This is like responsibility. Understanding responsibility requires you to understand what it is. And society knows what is true about responsibility, that it is needed, that it is necessary, but society doesn't know the truth about responsibility. Because, see, society believes that responsibility has to do with extremes. You know, you got one side saying, until these people accept responsibility for where they are, these people are never going to be. And, and you got another side going, but it's not their fault. Don't you understand what their mother was like? And if you had a mother like they did, you wouldn't be. And, and so it's these extremes, these beliefs about responsibility. When you understand the truth about responsibility, the truth says responsibility is about hope and control. It's not about blaming people for feeling bad or, 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 or about being where they are. It's about hope and control. Who doesn't want to have hope to have control to make their life exactly what they want to make it? Who doesn't want that? And that's what responsibility is about, hope and control. Because if you blame your mama or you blame the president, there ain't a lot of hope there because there's zero control. I mean, you know, if what I've, you know, if my life is in a mess and I've ended up in this horrible place because of the president of the United States, if it really is his fault, I might as well jump off a cliff. Wait, what the heck am I going to do about the president? Whoever the president happens to be, but you know, if it's if my if it's my wife's fault, I don't know about you. I can't control my wife. What are we going to do about my wife? But if I can look in a mirror and I can say, you know, I've had some crazy things happen in my life. I've had some tragedies happen, and I couldn't control any of them. But I have made choices in response to those crazy things that have led my life right down a path to a place I don't like. If I can understand that I can make choices that will lead me to a place I don't like, that's great news because doesn't it just make logical sense I could also make choices that would lead me to a place I do like? So the game becomes make better choices. And that's what a lot of, of this is built around, is to, to be able to see things and little bitty things that will make massive differences in your life. You know, there was an old guy that I ran into when I was living under the piers. His name was Jones. And I remember seeing Jones later in my life and Polly and I had been married a couple of years, and I said something to Jones about, yeah, we're just like, you know, gosh, gosh man, we're just so different. And it, it started to be nerve-wracking because we were so different. And we were like, how did I marry her? 
you know, and it's like, what am I doing here? And, you know, I mean, man, she's not anything like me. And, and she's going, man, he is nothing like me. And I, I told Jones, I said, man, we are so different. He said, yeah, that's great, isn't it? And I said, wait, what? He said, well, if both of you were alike, one of you would be unnecessary. <laughs> he said, if you want to do great things in your life, imagine having the perspective of another person who has your same course. You know, you want to you end up in the same place. You want to accomplish the same things. You want the same amount of income and that you could know what you know and also apply what she knows. He said, he said dude, you just got a communication issue. And I, and I began to understand that this was a huge thing. This was a huge thing for people, for not just for us, but for people, that, that it, it's like we would talk. Have you ever heard somebody from Ireland speak? I remember watching uh, after some golf thing here in Rory McIlroy, and, and, and they said, so Rory, what, so what was it like out there today? And he said, hey, what got the greens? And it was, they had been to grass. And he said, thank you. And I'm like, well, I have no clue what this guy just said. And he was speaking English. He was speaking English, but his dialect was so thick, I, I totally didn't get it. And, and I'm convinced that a lot of time with different people, we, we all speak kind of the same language. And uh, my wife and I, we know we love each other. But, man, sometimes the dialect is so different that we can't even. And, and it's like, for instance, huge value that you will create unbelievable connections with Clients and potential clients. And, and it, it is this. When you meet a family and you see that, that mom and that dad or just the mom or just the dad, you pay attention to that kid for a second. Maybe get on your knee and you say, and, just, and have your little things that you say that will make them chuckle. Hey, how old are you? I'm nine. You're nine. Are you married? <laughs> no, no, I'm not married. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I was just curious because you look pretty old for your age, you know. I said, is that, that your mom up there? Is that your mom? It is. Take care of your mom. You have a great mom. I am a big fan of your mom. You know, not everybody has a great mom. You have a great mom. People used to wonder how Bear Bryant would get anybody he wanted to come play at Alabama. All you had to do was watch the Sunday afternoon show sponsored by Golden Flake and Coca-Cola. And you could figure out why. Because he'd show the plays. We'd go, there's Stedman Sheila there. And Stedman's from Dothan, Alabama. I remember when I met Stedman's mom and dad. Now, Stedman's mama fixed the best banana pudding I ever had in my life. And Stedman's dad is an unbelievable guy. He, uh, he works at, a, at a, a gas station there in Dothan, and he fixes cars, which I look at that, and I think, you must be very smart because I can't do nothing with cars but put gas in them. But this guy fixed his cars. And without this guy, man, the doctors couldn't work. The, you know, I couldn't work. This guy, he, he's keeping Dothan going there. And I look at Stedman. I watch this kid in a football game, and when it, things get down, Stedman can pick that team up and put them on his back. And you know what? There ain't nothing oral about how that boy was raised. He had a good mama and a good daddy. And that is why he is the player he is. Now, let me ask you something. Who doesn't want to send their kid to a coach who will tell your kid how great you are? <laughs> right? And so to talk to people, find value. That gas station thing, you would be shocked at how many teenagers especially that I talk to and I'll say, if their parents are not there, and I'll say, so, tell them about your mom and dad. What do they do? And, and he'll say something. But a lot of times I'll hear somebody say, well, my dad, you know, he, uh, you know, he works at so-and-so. You know, he works down at a car dealership. Really, you know, what does he do at the car dealership? Well, he's, he works in the service department. Well, what does he do in the service department? 
Well, he, no, you know, he's a mechanic. Really? So a smart person, huh? Sir? I, he fixes the cars, right? <laughs> he, he must be very smart. Can you fix cars? I can't. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, I'm lucky I know how to put gas in one. But your dad, I mean, I'll tell you this, I could not do what I do if my car didn't run. I mean, if, if, if something happens in my car, I go screaming like a baby to somebody like your dad. You know, and you think of all the people in our society that could not do anything if it weren't for your dad. And your dad can look into that mass of wires and pipes and things moving, and your dad knows what he's looking at. Your dad, you got a smart dad. Look, nobody is smart in everything. And a lot of people ain't smart at nothing. And you've got a dad who is brilliant. Take care of your dad, buddy. You take care of your daddy. Listen, just because, I wouldn't do that just because it might get back to the dad and the dad might be a customer of mine. I do that because it's the right thing to do. We do this because it is the right thing to do. And when we do the right thing, the results are always great. What you want to provide is something remarkable. Now, I'm going to give you an example of a satisfied customer. Here's my buddy, Dr. Charlie Cooper. So here's an example of a satisfied customer. So I said, oh, you know, we just moved to town, and uh, you... I, I, I guess you go to the dentist. Do you go? Did you, I, I notice you have the, the veneers. Did you? And, and my daughter is just about to. And we're going. We're thinking about the. the and so, like, where did you? Oh, I went to uh, um, uh, uh, Doctor Cooper. Doctor Cooper. I know this is a satisfied customer. Everything. Everything good? Yeah. So, so. The prices, oh, yeah, they're fine. Any, any problems? No. No, it's great. That's a, that's a satisfied customer. That's a satisfied customer right there. And you know what that person is going to do when they hear that report? They're going to just put Charlie Cooper in the line, and they'll look at a bunch more. Okay, let me tell you what a raving lunatic fan, somebody who has received remarkable, remarkable, uh, who has received remarkable, this, this, this is what it is. Clint, listen, I, um, I know it's none of my business. I know it's none of my business, but uh, we, my daughter said that your son, that y'all are about to do uh, veneers for him, and um, and, and listen, I, and I don't know if you've decided on who, but the, the guy who did, did you see, you see it right here? See this? The guy who did this right here, the veneers, this, his name is Charlie Cooper. His daughter, Charlie Cooper. This is the most awesome guy, and it was the most unbelievable experience, I mean, from the time we even started talking about it. In fact, there, there's a girl there's a girl that uh, works there that kind of sets you up and everything, and her name is so-and-so, and, and, and they, they've really become kind of friends of mine, and, and you really seriously want to go there. And, and I would just say, and, and tell them, you know, get, go, go check them out and tell them that I, because we've kind of gotten to be friends, and so just tell them that I sent you, all right? Tell, just tell them you know me. In, in fact, in, in fact let, let, me, let me get them on the phone. I'll get them on the phone, and, 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 and I'll just, let me kind of introduce you over the phone. Then when you go, you know, see, I'm telling you, that's a difference. That, that's a difference. I mean, what's he going to do now? I mean, he's going to go home and tell his wife, some guy went insane on me about Charlie Cooper. And so, you know, good grief. I mean, he sounds like the second coming of, you know, of whatever. And so we certainly, he's top of the list, man. We got to go. And so it is, it is you. You are the secret ingredient. You are the difference maker. You are the person that creates value for, for all these people, 
And you are the one who can choose what happens in your life, in your business, with your family. Be careful not to pay attention to what is true, but to get to the truth. Got your phones? Text this. This is a text number. And I know it doesn't sound like a text number, but I'm going to give you some. This is a text number. It's 33444. That's a text number. All right. In the message, I want you to write one word. Parenting. P-A-R-E-N-T-I-N-G. Parenting. And send that. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to give you four free 20-minute uh, videos. And their topics are loosely based upon parenting. And I want to tell you this. This is a huge connection that I have figured out that you can use whether you have kids, already raised your kids, don't have kids, hate kids, it don't matter. Parenting is the fulcrum our society tilts upon. And if you can provide value in those areas because you know something that will solve challenges for people and help people, you will be shocked at what happens. You can find ways. And if it can I, can I, five minutes, I got five minutes here, five minutes? All right. Okay, so, so here, here's what I want to show you. A peaceful family is, is worth everybody's, and they are. Okay, why is this happening like it's happening? Why are we listing properties? Why do people choose Fred? Why does somebody choose Angie to list their property? And we found something very amazing. I kind of suspected this, but I, we found something very amazing. And we basically listed, you know, I mean, almost all the properties, and that's basically how we did it. Okay, but when you think about it, I want you to think about it. If you're going to sell your house or you're going to sell a property, how do you decide who gets to list your property? How do you choose your real estate representative that is going to list your property. Do you go on the internet? Do you take a, 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 a broad view? Do you do a graph of the past three months in the Tri-County area, figure out which interstate, then knock them down to 100, then take it and run the metrics again, then knock it down to 10, do a personal interview with these 10, then choose the three, then take all three to dinner, and then choose the person? Is that how you do it? No, that's not how you do it. I'll tell you exactly who gets to list your property your buddy who sells real estate. That's who. And I might say to you, really? You, you, you're going to let him list your property? I am. So he's like the best real estate guy in the area? Mm, not really. But you're going to let him do it? I am. So he's like on a hot streak right now? No, not really. But you're going to let him list your property? I hadn't got any choice. I, I wouldn't let anybody list. My, this is the guy. A couple of years ago, he came over at 2 o'clock in the morning and kept my kids when I had to take my wife to the hospital. I, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare um, let anybody else list this. Really? So what you're saying to me is that at 2 o'clock in the morning a couple of years ago, this guy was competing at a level that the other real estate people in town didn't even know a game was going on. That's what you're telling me? Now, he did it inadvertently, but if you can do it inadvertently, you can understand how to do it on purpose. See, it's very curious to me that the companies, small businesses, the entrepreneurial efforts, the people who double and triple, the people who leap out there, if they dial down to find the reason that it happened over and over again, their competition is very confused because over and over again, the real reason it happened, nobody thinks it had anything to do with what you do. It doesn't have anything to do with dentistry. How, how have you tripled a market share? How have you... I mean, you're doing the same thing they're doing. All right, watch this. Let me ask you this. How many of you, I want you to raise your hands. We're dialing in on this. This is going to blow your mind. 
Raise your hands. How many of you in your life have paid more for something than you had to pay for it? You could have gotten it less expensive, but you paid more for it. Raise your hands. Raise them. Get them up. Look at this. Everybody in the room. Okay. Now, in most cases, in most cases, not only did you pay more for it than you had to, you went to more trouble to get it. You drove farther. You jumped through more hoops to get it than you had to. All right, now think about this. For people like us who consider ourselves fairly intelligent, how smart is that? No, I know I can get it for less, but I want to pay more for it, and I'm going to go to more trouble to get it. What? I mean, that sounds kind of stupid on the surface of it, and yet everybody in this room... Without colluding, everybody in this room came to that same decision about a thousand different things and multiple times in our lives. How is that possible for people who consider themselves fairly intelligent? There's one common denominator. The common denominator is every time you paid more and went to more trouble, every time it had something to do with who you got it from. It had something to do with their value in your life. Oh, listen, we're, we're always going to go there. No, it doesn't matter how much they charge. I mean, 17 years ago, they did something for my mom that I will never forget. You know, we're always going to go there because of the value. They, they, my boys, everywhere my boys go, everywhere my boys go, everybody's just like high-fiving them, fist-bumping them. This guy in this pharmacy right here, this guy comes out from around the corner and he shakes hands with my six-year-old. Now, I got to tell you, nobody is going to hire my kid when he's an adult because he can high-five. And I cannot be the only person in town teaching him how to shake hands. And this guy spends a moment and says, hey, look me in the eye, smile, what do we say? Good to meet you. Nice to see you. Do you know how valuable that is to me? I don't care how much they charge. That's where, we, that's where we're going. See, this is value. And what you have to understand is that who you are, what you are, trumps Every price or product that you could possibly, you, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. When we look at the seven decisions that I figured out, when we look at these things, I go, you, you go all through them, every one of them, the responsibility, the persistence, the forgiveness, you go through every one of them. And if you are not careful, you can believe something that is true, and that is to be that 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 to be a whole person and and to uh, provide uh, a common experience for everybody. Blah 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 blah. Uh, it, it, here, here's what I'm saying: is I am shocked at how many businesses rely on customer satisfaction as their as their, uh, what are their, their, their level, their, that's their aim point, is, is uh, customer satisfaction. And it, because when everybody competes the same way, they compete with price, and they compete with product and surroundings. And yet we've already determined there is something that trumps it all. And so, so it, it is totally backwards and you can start laughing when you see companies that in their mission statement, our mission is to satisfy every customer that walks through our door. Hey, we're so-and-so, home of the truly satisfied customer. Let me tell you something. That is such unbelievable drivel that, that makes zero difference to anything except sounding good to people. Because I'm going to tell you something. Customers say, do you, do you know the reward you get for having satisfied every client, every patient? Do you know the reward you get for having satisfied patients? you know what the reward is? 
You get to stay in business. That's your reward. Anything less, you're in trouble. They better be satisfied. By God, they paid for it. They better be satisfied. But a satisfied customer, that is the lowest bar that you can achieve and still stay in business. See, what you want, how you want to compete is with a remarkable experience. Yeah, you have to be good at the fundamentals. Yeah, you have to have the products. Yeah, your prices have to be somewhere in the ballpark, okay? But, but they don't even have to be the least. You don't even have to have the most. If you provide a remarkable experience, nobody will ever beat you. Do you understand that traditional advertising is no match for remarkable experiences? What is the greatest form of advertising? What do, we, what do we say? Word of mouth. Right. It's word of mouth. Do you know that traditional advertising, that, uh, that, uh, that social media, that billboards, television commercials, you could not defeat great word of mouth with any of it. If somebody is talking to her friend about you and about the experience and what happens when she comes, who knew, who knew? Like, guys, have you ever been in a situation with a woman where she asked something, you said something, then you said something, then she said something, then you said something, and she said, you just don't understand. And as God is your witness, the best you could really come up with was, you're absolutely right. I have no, I have no clue. I'm not trying to aggravate you, but I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, and see, when that would happen with my wife, my wife would say, this is, this is what would happen. She would say, well, if you were home more, this wouldn't be an issue. It's just if, you, if you're home more. Now, just guys, my wife's not here. Be on my side for a second, okay? <laughs> I only speak two or three times a month. I, I write, and I work with clients over the phone, I, and my office is at the house. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm home all the time. <laughs> I'm home all day long. If I were home anymore, I'd be on your head. I'm, I'm home all the... But if you were home more... And, and, I, and I'm going like this. And she said, you don't understand, do you? And I said, I, dear, I, I don't. She said, if you were home more, you'd understand. I said, God. She said, you can't win, you know? And see, but who knew? Who knew? That was a dialect thing. Because who knew that my wife was a canary? I mean... How do you know? I, and I didn't know. That she spoke in the dialect, spoke the, the language of a canary. Uh, which she, my wife's a quality time person. That's how she feels loved. Is she feels appreciated with quality time. And I, you know, who knew? I didn't know. I, I'm a puppy dog. I, you know, but, but a canary, you know, that's that quality time. You ain't got to spend a ton, a, time, a ton of time with a canary. And yeah, you ain't even got to talk back to them. You, see, a canary is just like, hey, just sit there on the couch and listen to me sing for a little while. That's a canary. And, and I, I finally began to understand that with my wife, that, that if I would, you know, a couple of times a day, 10, 12 minutes, that this, this is what I, I started doing. I get a cup of coffee or a glass of water, and here's what I do. She start talking, and I, and I go, hmm. Wow. Really? <laughs> well, what did you say when she said that? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and, and I was, but see, how was I supposed to know that? You know, because I'm not a canary. I'm a puppy dog. I'm a puppy dog. And puppy dogs are, are not, you ain't you got to spend a lot of time with a puppy dog. I'm a, I'm a puppy dog. You ain't got to spend a lot of time with me. Just praise me. 
and then I will feel appreciated. I just, just praise me. That's all, that's all I need. Just tell me that I've done a good job. Just tell me I did good. I, I, it's really all I need. You ain't going to spend a ton of time with me. Just every now and then stop and say, you're such a good boy. I was like, ah. I mean, that's me. That's me. And, 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 of course, I was trying to puppy dog her. You know, I'm speaking to her as a puppy dog, and I'm saying, you're so great. You're a great mother. You're an incredible wife. You're more beautiful today than you were when we got married. And that's just like right over her head, and all she's thinking is, what do you want? Because <laughs> I'm puppy dogging. But see, she don't understand that. She's a canary. So she'll come to my office when I'm working and sit down right beside my desk with a cup of coffee. I said, well, um, what, what, are you, what are you doing? She says, I'm just, I'm just being with you. you you're kind of making me nervous. It's because, you know, who knew, right? And so so and, and the thing is, the puppy dog thing, I mean, once we begin, and there's a couple more, you know, one is the goldfish. There are people who are goldfish, and, and they, you know, a goldfish is the kind of person that you just do things for, and you'll see that they're that kind of person because they will do things for you. They, they fix things. They give gifts. They just do things. You know? and, and that's all. A goldfish, they ain't going to care if you talk to them. You ain't going to spend a time with them. Just every now and then, change the water, straighten the castle, and they're fine. <laughs> you ain't got to touch them. You ain't got to pet them. You ain't got to talk to them. They're not even probably going to talk back because they're so busy doing something for you. Right? That's a goldfish. And the other one, the other one is, a, is like a, 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 a kitty cat. You know, a kitty cat is like physical touch. Kitty cats like to be touched. And by the way, you can major in one and minor in another. I major in puppy dog and I minor in kitty cat, okay? <laughs> you know, I major in that, the, you know, nice words and saying good things to me, but I minor in, in you know, be, being touched. But that's a kitty cat because, you know, a cat, I mean, I mean you ain't got to feed them. You ain't got to feed me. I'll kill something. That's a cat, right? <laughs> They don't care. They don't care. You, 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 no reason to talk to them. You ain't got to call them. They're not going to come. <laughs> right? And, and, and a cat, you, you think about how oriented to physical touch a cat is. A cat, they don't even care if you, if you don't touch them, they'll get it from you anyway. Cats, come out there. <laughs> Right? I mean, you know? And so when you start to see, when you start to see what people are, and you know, the, the kitty cats, the, the, there are people who are kitty cats. That pat, that pat, that fish, that, that bump, guys, a hit, you know, a lot of guys. Or kitty cats. A lot of guys have that physical touch. That's why you watch a football game, you see people slapping each other, hitting each other, hugging each other. I mean, they're kitty cats. And so once you understand this stuff, your personal life can be better. Now, here's, here's an amazing thing. When you look at how to double or triple your income, this, what we just talked about, that cannot only help because your lives can be more peaceful because of it, you are consistently running into people who need answers. And they need value in their life that only you can sense, that only you can provide. I'll tell you something very odd. The best we've ever done with a client was 400% in a year. It was a, a national real estate company and we took one of their states right in the middle of uh, uh, the 49 other brothers and sisters of theirs, right in the middle of their competition, worked with them for a year, and they increased their sales by 400%. And you think, how does that happen? Well, let me tell you this. I don't know anything about real estate. You think, how could that, how could that possibly happen? Well, it's... It's easy if you understand how everybody competes and how to shift it. What the real 
deal is. All right, now I'm going to tell you how we did it very quickly. But then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to prove to you what a difference this knowledge, this proof of this knowledge will make in your own practices and in your personal life. So you watch this. Here's, here's basically what we did. And you understand that for in a, in, a, in a state that has this many pieces of the pie, for one of them to increase 400%, not only did they increase business, but they also they took business from competition. People who would have been with their competition did business with them right? So they gain market share in a huge way. Now, when I sit down with them, they say, well, real estate is very simple. And I say, okay. And they say, it's just, you know, sales-oriented and commission-based business. And I said, so, okay, so if you sell it, you get paid, and if you don't sell it, you don't get paid. And they said, eh, it's a little more complicated than that. And I said, okay, like what? And they said, well, there's the listings. And I said, well, what's that? I mean, everybody's selling everybody. I mean, if something's up for sale, Everybody just goes and sells it. And they say, well, the listings control the commissions. I said, explain to me. And they said, if you are the person who lists, if you're the real estate agent who lists a property and you sell that property, you get 100% of the commission. But if you are the real estate agent who lists that property, and another real estate person sells that property that you have listed, you still get 50% of the commission because you're the one who listed it. I said, really? Okay. Well, there's the deal. All we have to do is list all the properties. And they said, well, it's easier said than done. But that's really kind of what we did. Because if you're going to list all the properties and you're already listing properties, you have not asked the critical question. See, if you weren't listing any properties, you would have probably said, why aren't we listing any properties? And you would have looked at what everybody else is doing, and you'd have said, we need to do what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're doing, and then we can list properties like that, and then everybody would be competing the same way, you'd be on the same, but you wouldn't have any incredible, extraordinary success, because all you're doing is what they do. But... That way that we used why, why am I, it, it got us back to that level. But if you're already listening,